Sure. So getting a first look deal is a big deal for an independent studio. Most studios don't get those. Then we did a $10 million deal uh, with Go Media Productions out of Atlanta. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black, black, Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the 101st edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Super excited to share with you all the focus of our show today, Renaissance Entrepreneur. Uh, we are interviewing the incredible BK Fulton. Uh, very excited to have him. BK Fulton is the chairman and CEO of Solidify Productions. Solidify is a full-feature film, stage, and TV investment and production company designed to promote a more inclusive narrative in major media. Solidify produced four feature-length films in 2019. We'll talk about those. Uh, Solidify has also produced a seven-book children's series, which is available on Amazon.com and via other retail outlets. Uh, Its president, B.K. Fulton, has had an extensive history in terms of senior leadership with some of the largest corporations on our planet, including Verizon, uh, AOL, Time Warner, as well as the National Urban League. Uh, As mentioned, he is a published author and is considered one of the most influential African-Americans in technology. His thought-leading papers on technology and community building are actually permanently archived at the Smithsonian Institute. BK is trained as an intellectual property lawyer and also serves on the boards uh, of Norfolk State University, of Town Bank, uh, just to name a few. Uh, We're super excited to share also in terms of his academic prowess. Uh, He holds a bachelor's degree in urban affairs and planning um, from the incredible Virginia Tech, as well as a master of science degree uh, in management and policy analysis from Harvard, a Juris Doctorate in intellectual property, electronic commerce, and telecommunications law from New York Law School. He's also a father and a husband. B.K. Fulton, welcome to our show. How are you? Hey, Blair, that was all right. I'm going to have to hire you to do all my introductions. That's doing good. <laughs> Listen, I am honored to have you. Thank you so much for your for your leadership uh, in, in all of the areas that that we mentioned. So, so welcome to the show. I appreciate it. I'm just working my corner. Hey, and that's what we all have to do, right? And so when I was thinking about kind of the trajectory of this interview, you know, the, the, the banner that popped into my head was Renaissance, right? Just kind of following, um, following your work and uh, looking at where you kind of began with school and the things that you're into now. Um, what an inspiration. Just maybe impart some words of wisdom to the person whose head is bursting with creativity that is trying to manage a nine to five in the, in the, in the COVID, right? The COVID pandemic. Sure. I mean, off the top, uh, an amateur, a professional writer is an amateur who didn't quit. So at the end of the day, whatever you feel passionate about, you just got to go do it. You can't, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you can't build this scaffolding of the business in your head 
and then um, make it so big that, that it paralyzes you, that you don't act. In life, you've got to get out. The win is in the work. And we have to get out and do the work. God blesses all of us to turn our dreams and ideas into their tangible equivalents. But you have to have the faith, be willing to do the work, and expect the outcome. And then the magic comes. And through divine serendipity and effective effort, everything you need begins to surround you. God is in the details. The universe is friendly. And once you embrace that, then you look at your university different. You look at your friends and family different. You look at your peers different. You start to see people for uh, the value that they bring to your world and the value you bring to them. I'm convinced that the real genius in the world is in seeing the genius in other people and acting accordingly. Each one of us has to bring our best piece to the divine puzzle of life and then it resolves in love. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what an encouragement, though, um, because, you know, it, it can be tempting to feel as if the present moment doesn't matter if I'm not doing the thing that, you know, is the thing that I really believe is why I'm here. Um, but to reframe that to say, you know, let's look at what we have around us. You know, let's let's be uh, be present so that this experience still matters when we get where where it is that we're going. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about let's talk about you and the translation of your corporate career into entrepreneurship. What what really was that that segue for you? Um, corporate America was fun for me. It was a way for me to uh, interact with some very famous brands, some wonderful people, have some great mentors of all ethnicities and all genders. Um, and so I've learned a lot in the big companies. However, they're big companies and they're governing bodies and boards and share owners. And as an entrepreneur, um, I get to enjoy a certain amount of freedom. Uh, if we see something we, that needs inventing, we go invent it. If we see something that needs uh, our attention, we tend to it. If we have a story we want to tell, we can tell it. And so there were limits to what you could do in the corporate world. And you live long enough and get wise enough and you want to shake loose those limits. You know, we, we, we all have chains in different ways and, um, and, and shaking off the corporate set of chains was the, was the final for me to emerge into the fullness of who God, I think, made me to be. So I spent my first 50 years doing what I was trained to do and now I get to spend the rest of my life doing what I was made to do, and that's to tell these stories of uplift and achievement. Yeah, let's let's go there. Talk about the the inspiration for Soul Lit a Fly. Was there a moment in time when you just knew I've got to make movies, or was that more of a a building that started to happen? Well, uh, there's definitely a flashpoint, and it actually happened when I was in college at Virginia Tech. I didn't know that Solidify was going to be the fruit of the pursuit. Uh, but what happened was I was in the engineering school 
and I wasn't doing so well. I mean, I was playing too much ball, had too many girlfriends, and you know, like to dance. So I go out to the Marriott, the top of the stairs, or wherever, and do my thing. That's it. You got it. You got it. Uh -huh. And um, and then hit the class, uh, you know, every now and then. And that's not a formula for success. And so I started getting these notes from the registrar's office. Um, and I realized that if I didn't change something, I would not be a tech much longer. So initially, I started taking what I thought were easy classes. So I took as much pottery, advanced pottery, and extremely advanced pottery as the school offered. And then, you know, a few Bs and, and As weren't a sufficient counterbalance to all the Cs and Ds that I had. So I still, so I went to the library to plan my escape from Virginia Tech, and I think it was divine serendipity. I ended up in the E185.5 section of the Dewey Decimal System, and in any Dewey Decimal System, that is the section on black people. And I started reading about all these successes, you know, uh, Granville T. Woods, who invented the uh, electric third rail and, and sold the patent to General Electric in 1901, Lewis Howard Latimer who invented the carbon filament, which provided the incandescence for the light bulb that Thomas Edison is known for. Um, Lewis Latimer also wrote the patent drawing for the telephone, um, wrote the plans to light London and New York and other big cities. And I'm like, wait a minute. People that look like me did that? I can do that. And I turned my life around at Tech, and I went from the probation list to the dean's list, to the board of directors, literally flying to school, back to the school in a jet to govern the university. And, and so the flashpoint, you know, fast forward 30 years, is that if reading about the success of our people to put my life on rocket boosters, what would happen if I could put it on the big screen, put it in the cinema with great acting and great music and great storylines. And it could help people in the same way I was helped. So that's when Solidify was born. I was like, I know what, I need to create a media company. And when you think about it, our people have always had this interesting dance with whatever the, the top tool of the time was. So when it was newspapers, we started newspapers. When it was radio, we had radio stations. We started a few TV stations. We ended up selling most of those. And today, it's being able to put your stuff up, quality content, on YouTube, on Apple, on Amazon, on Roku, on mobile phones. And so that's what we did. So we have the TV network. We have a magazine. Uh, we've done what, five movies in the marketplace now. We've got three more coming out this year, three on deck for next year. We've got another movie with uh, um, Tay Diggs. We've got one with T.I. and Tyrese. Um, uh, we've got an app coming out. I chair a few other companies that are changing the game in cybersecurity and, uh, and augmented reality. And, you know, it's just all these different things. But, but I got, I came to the conclusion that I was capable of doing these things because I read about us doing them. Let and, me interject yeah. just briefly there. Uh, if you just tuned in, actually, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street today. We're interviewing the incomparable B.K. Fulton, just having a conversation about, um, wow, 
from corporate to entrepreneurship, you hit on something that's so key, and it's amazing that you and I share uh, share this aspect of our experience, right? For me at Tech, same thing. I was going to fail really hard. <laughs> it was going to be bad. I studied psychology, eh, um, but it was ultimately uh, a course a course called Race, Class, and Gender that turned me around. Same story. Probation, went straight to the dean's list. Didn't continue to uh, the, the, the board at Tech, but did have an opportunity to challenge the board um, as they were making decisions that um, perpetuated racism. But it was that thing. It was really learning more about, about who I am. And so I can definitely see why it was that there was the impetus to create a media company. That's yeah. so let, let me jump in right there. So I'll give you two classes I took at Tech on the wake-up call, mm-hmm. one more than the other. So the first one, talking about psychology, so I said, right, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take these easy classes, not having enough sense to go see my counselors and stuff like that. I hadn't realized that most of them are actually there to help. And yeah. I looked at everybody that was my enemy. So I said, all right, let me take this class. And I took this class, Abnormal Psychology. Abnormal Psych. I didn't know that that was more of an advanced class. I was like, a, you know, just barely a freshman. And I'm taking this class and flunking out. And so the teacher called me in and said, look, I, I, um, you're not doing so well. We've got the final coming up. I will give you whatever grade you make on the final. That'll be your grade for the class. And again, people try to work with you. They do. So, so the mistake, though, was she connected me with a, She gave me a, 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 a tutor. And the, and the tutor was like, Halle Berry fine. And I, was I like, know you were making something along those lines. <laughs> and I was, so I'm sitting up in there, and she come by, and I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, this ain't going to work. <laughs> and I got, uh, I swore next man. Yeah, there are a lot of traps at that, you know, from from football to, you know, just like, 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 the interaction like, with the opposite sex to right. top of the like, stairs. I mean. All that stuff. So look, but here, here's the deal. So then that was, I flunked that one straight up. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was nice to, to, to meet the beautiful tutor, but I did do the in the class. Um, but then I took, I was like, okay, I can, I can make an A in human sexual development. Okay. So I got in that class, and I got a D, a, a D minus. Oh my goodness! Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was like the wake up call. It's like I can't pass sex. Yeah. I'm making an A in the unofficial lab. And I ain't doing nothing in the book. And then I realized as I went to that library to break away that it. VK, welcome back. It's Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Episode 101. Super excited. Uh, Joining us again is BK Fulton. BK, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Blair. Had a little bit of tech issue in our in our first segment, but no worries. Let's pick right up where we left off. I know you've got a number of things on the horizon with Solidify. What's next? How can we connect with some of what you're doing? Well, sure. Check out our website, solidify.com, S-O-U-L-I-D-I-F-L-Y.com. And that pretty much has everything. It's got our digital theater, for stuff people can check out now. It's got all our films and where they're playing at. Some are on cable, some are on Netflix, uh, but it has all that stuff listed. It's got all the books we have. It's got 
really everything and also how to engage us in case some of the listeners have ideas and productions that maybe they want to put together. Yeah, I'm looking here at one of uh, your press releases. Richmond Media Company lands $10 million first book movie development deal. Let's talk about that. What what are some of the uh, components that went into putting this deal together? And then what are you looking to do uh, inside it? Sure. So getting a first book deal is a big deal for an independent studio. Most studios don't get those. um, But when you do the work, then the rewards come. And so this is one of them. We did a $10 million deal uh, with Go Media Productions out of Atlanta. And so what the deal means is that they get a chance to see our latest creations first or our project ideas, and then they have kind of a, a right of first refusal almost to put in the capital to see the project through, to market and promote the project. And so the good thing for us is we know we have this potential source of capital and so we can focus on the art and not have to worry as much about where the money is going to come from to make it happen. Congrats. I also see here uh, you are being honored, it looks like, tomorrow um, on RVA Celebrity Dish. Is that right? That is right. Yeah, I have to, to roast. Uh, one of the gubernatorial candidates, uh, Jennifer McClellan, who said she's currently a senator, actually. And she and I were colleagues together when I was running the phone company, a little phone company called Verizon. And um, and so I'll dish her tomorrow, and she'll dish me. Uh, it's a cool thing. They recognize people each year. And um, it's good to get your flowers while you can smell them. For sure. For sure. Any other highlights there? I know you, you've got something going on with one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, more laughing, right? It's her show, yes. your network as well? It is, it is. She's got a show, uh, More Laughing in the Morning, on, on our soulvision.tv. Um, and she's about to do more episodes. Uh, we've got approximately 40,000 people that watch our TV network um, on their um, phone or other devices so we encourage people to check it out it's a free download and I'm inviting people to send us content right now we're looking for a finished content and if someone's got something that's good we can look at it and do what we call a revenue sharing deal and get them distributed on Soul Vision TV mm. I love it I love it for people that are listening I think that's that's a great call to action because uh, content is key. So, soullitafly.com. Instance on soul, S-O-U-L-I-D-I-F-L-Y.com. May I submit uh, my content there on the site or make an inquiry? Uh, you can make an inquiry, yeah. And it's S-O-U-L-I-D-I-F-L-Y. So, lidifly.com. Um, but, yeah, they can definitely make uh, make queries. We don't receive content from the site. We need to kind of check uh, the contact, vet a few things, make sure all the rights and everything is secured. So rather than have people to load up stuff, we engage in a conversation with them. Perfect. I want to transition the dialogue a little bit um, based on something that you said uh, during our first segment. You talked about... Uh, sort of 
your right of passage to be able to now do what it is that you believe you were created to do. For you broke it down, you know, you spent the first fifty years doing doing X, and now you're you're doing, I guess, Y and Z. My question to you is around this idea of the black elder, right? What do you believe is your responsibility in terms of stewarding uh, the coming generations? Sure, it's a, it's an enormous responsibility. So every generation runs their leg of the race and gets us so much further. And then at any at any time we have to pick up the baton, take on the baton, and then run a little further for the generations to come after us. None of us come here to stay. And so a respect for elders, a respect for people who who survived, who thrived, who created, who invented, to give us this opportunity is critically important. And if you don't know, you know, who you are and where you come from, then you repeat the mistakes and we don't build what we're supposed to build. One of the most important things in life is becoming who you're supposed to be. And, and um, I, I, am, I am in awe of what our ancestors endured and what they did to allow us this opportunity. The freedom that we enjoy today was not free. It was paid for in blood. It was paid for in resources, in time. People who wish they could have been on the Black Wall Street today, who would have, who would have been a great candidate, couldn't be on because of the color of their skin. You couldn't even have had what you have now, you know, back in the day. And yeah. so we have to acknowledge that we've come a long way, but we still have far to go. We got to get everybody we can to get out there and vote to get the right leadership in, to get the right representatives in. Um, every uh, generation or so, it seems like we're fighting these same issues about access to capital, voting, educational equity, turning down mass incarceration, fair housing, equal opportunity employment. And what, what I think we have a shot to do in, in the 21st century is win back the White House, win the Congress, create the kind of programs and services that lift more of our communities up, and really to, to kind of reimagine this thing we call America, but not just working for one group in the main, working for everybody. Let me ask you this then as a, as a follow-up to that. Um, for the person who says, you know what, I am an elder, and I, and I do have a responsibility. I'm just not sure where to get started. For whatever reason, not looking to plug into a particular, I don't know. What, what do you say to that person? What are some practical ways to make sure that we're starting to build those relationships, um, those intergenerational relationships? What would you say? Some tips. Yeah. yeah I, th I think you uh, mentoring um, you need people at church. You mentioned the program at the top of the program that included the, the Hampton Roads Urban League. They have programs. They have young professionals networks. They have uh, organizations that help to build bridges. Uh, the Urban League, by design, are uh, always have people under a certain age on the board, typically under 30, because they believe in an intergenerational nexus. 
Um, but it doesn't have to be hard. I mean, one of the things I tell people, put simply in my latest book, The Tale of the Tea, I mean, do something you love with somebody you don't usually do it with. It's as simple as that. It ain't hard to reach out and find people and to be kind to folks. And, um, and if you find them along the lines of what you like to do or what you love, it's probably going to be a better connection. To include relationships, I'll just say this. You ain't asked me about this, but I figured I'd tell you. Um, so I met my wife volunteering, trying to help kids to find money for college. So I wasn't out at the club. I wasn't out, you know, trying to you know, get my sip on. I was trying to help people and met somebody who shared those values. And then we started a relationship, and we having all kinds of fun. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Let me ask this on the flip side, right? For that younger person, because a lot of times it can be rather sheltered in our youth. You know, our influencers may solely be our parents, our teachers. What do you say to the the, the young person who needs, who, who recognizes the need um, to surround themselves with more elders? Same thing, or what? What approach would you take? I, I'm a, I'm a mentorship. Yeah, close to the same thing. And I would also tell a young person that to be humble, that they don't know everything yet. Yeah. You know. That's uh, the hard part, right? For both it, groups, though. For both groups. It, but, it, but especially for young people who have grown up in a world where they have instant access to information um, and feel like they can get a lot of stuff done on their own and have had to do a lot of stuff on their own. Um, but it's, it, it, it's lessons that can be transferred if they give it a shot. What I did, because I don't believe in reinventing the wheel, once I woke up and got my mind together at, at, at college and started reading about black success in particular and then into cooperation between groups, I wrote a 50-year plan. 50-year plan over 30 years ago. And, now, and today I just find myself executing my plan. And... I encourage young people to write down what their aspirations are and work backwards from there. But also read the biographies of three or four people that they respect and write down the common things that those people did. So I had um, Vernon Jordan, Dick Parsons, Marianne Spragans, and Ron Brown. All of those people had law degrees, so I got a law degree. All those people worked in the Northeast, I worked in the Northeast. I did everything they did as I figured out how to become successful. And guess what? I'm successful. Things worked out. Mm. And you're going to have your own path. You're going to add your own scaffolding to the blueprint. You're going to add your own flavor to it. That's what is expected. But you can learn from other people's blueprint, other people's roadmap. So that's the lesson to young people. You don't, you, you don't know it all, and you don't have to. Let me ask you this. Gosh, I, I, I could go on. Um... What what has been the role of of education in your in your maturation? I know we touched on it earlier, and you just touched on it again. Um, but what else would you say to someone who is thinking about options in twenty twenty? Is that the direction I need to be taking? I mean, what what, what would you advise? Well, I think with all of us kind of locked inside and stuff like that, working on you is a great thing to do. Whether it's whether it's your screenplay, your film, your your ed education, um, it's a great thing to do. I think the more education you have, the better, because it is the education that really sets us free. 
it's like the stuff we learned in school was just like the basics, and a lot of that was wrong. It was like the wrong book, especially mm-hmm. for, for, for black kids sometimes, because it's not feeding, it kind of overplays the contributions of Europeans and mm-hmm. underplays the contributions of whites. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote The Tale of the Tea, we published in August, um, the, there's a blackout on the cover, Dr. George Grant and a golf tee. And because my co-writer is a big golfer, and he didn't know that the golf tee was invented by a brother in 1899. The brother was also the first black professor at Harvard and a dentist. But if, you, if our kids don't know that, they don't know that we touch so many different things. Right. So they don't know that it comes that some of the things they use to this day comes from people that look like them. Like, for example, the GPS system. Did you know it was a black woman who invented GPS? Didn't know it. Didn't know it. Most people don't. And, and not just black people should know that. Everybody should know Everybody that. Everybody should know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's American history. Yeah. But what it does... It makes sense, is, though. <laughs> Most of the what, practicality typically has come through us, you know. So, so. Well, when you think about it, you know, like, exactly. So, so people closest to a problem often come up with solutions to fix that problem. Exactly. So there's, there's a video on, on black contributions in the railroad industry. And one of them is the, the automatic coupler. So um, when trains used to connect, they'd have to drop a pin in the coupler so they would stay together. And, and black folks would lose their fingers and hands. They said, we got to come up with something else. So they came up with the automatic coupler. Uh, black people invented uh, train refrigeration. Um, it, 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 the list goes on. I mean, it, it's so many different things that it's astonishing. I mean, the first open heart, the first open heart surgery, not one of the first, but the first, the first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and so, for, and so for me, you know, we owe it to ourselves to become stewards of our legacy and our history and our heritage. And and then, as we, as I shared with my own transformation, learning about these things really developed the guy that's talking to you now, the one that chairs seven companies, the one that uh, has the movie company, the one that you know, we're breaking records and we're, we're winning and we're using the tools of our time to lift the kids in the culture for the next generation. BK, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Yeah, particularly during these times where, you know, again, we could be tempted to focus on some of the external things, you know, but what good does it do? What good would it do us to take the time, take this time and say, you know what, let me dig into this history a little bit. You know what I mean? And let's yeah. empower others. Maybe I should do some intentional uh, social media sharing around our history right now, you know, um, right as now. a way to engage and empower and inspire. Um, yeah, I, I think the beauty of media in today's times is we all have it. You know, we all have access. We, all, we, all, we are all a platform. Um, and so it, it's, it's powerful to think about what it would mean um, to plug in that way. Go ahead. We got about a minute. You got about a minute. Oh, man. I was going to really lay it on you. but I Go ahead and lay it. Go ahead and lay it. Well, look, first of all, coronavirus ain't got nothing on me. We can't let these little excuses hold us back. So let me tell you about Joseph Balou, Chavalier de Saint-Georges in less than a minute. Uh, what if I told you that the champion fencer in all of Europe in the late 1700s was a black man? What if I told you that Marie Antoinette asked him to head the symphony of France? 
that Mozart went to France to learn from the best and Chavier was, Chavier was the greatest. What if I told you that he had a thousand swashbucklers trained African and mixed race and protected him and fought for France? One of his swashbucklers was T. Alexander Dumas, father of Alexander Dumas, who wrote the Three Musketeers on the Count of Monte Cristo. So when little Alexander Dumas was writing about the Three Musketeers, he wasn't making that up. He was writing about his father's mentor, who also was the greatest musician of the time and the champion fencer of the time. All the same brother, and most people know nothing about him. When we wake up to the realness of who we are, we will shake up the world. Mm. That's beautiful. Hey, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I certainly want to invite you to come back onto the show um, in the future. This has been great. A very special thank you to our sponsors, Apex Financial Group of Virginia, the COO team, as well as Milestone Mental Health Agency. And a tremendous thank you to BK Fulton for your life and legacy and entrepreneurship. Um, and thank you all for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, we're building connections, and we're forging the path ahead toward business success in the black community. I look forward to talking next week. Take care. Out. Thank you. Take care. This show is brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated, our consulting services. We do credit fixes, tax resolution, we lend private money to real estate investors, and we do debt consolidations. Basically, we put money in your pocket when you need money. We put money in your pocket when you need money. 757-932-0177. Throughout the United States, credit fixes, tax resolution, lending private money to real estate investors, and debt consolidation. 757-932-0177. Positive vibes. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black.